Good morning. Are you excited to be here? Some of you are. What a, what a great truth of Scripture. God is with us. Isn't that powerful? The truth that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That in any situation we face, whatever it is, wherever it is, God is with us. That's powerful. And I appreciate uh, Alex and Josh being, and they are staying in our mission apartment as they are actually raising money to go plant a church, Freeway Ministries, in Orlando. And Josh was just telling me this morning that uh, God has already opened the door for them uh, to be in the county jail. And the county jail in Orlando, uh, from what he told me, it's kind of unusual. Uh, 5,000 inmates at this jail. They've already given him free reign to go in and start a discipleship group. And uh, so I'm excited about that. And I'm thankful that uh, Alex is really a, at least a third generation that I know of missionary. And uh, God has just used her family in a huge way in the Philippines. And, and God is continuing to bless uh, their ministry. And so thank you, uh, Josh and Alex, for coming. Thank you, Alex, for leading us. And uh, what a powerful, powerful song this morning. God is good. And all the time, some of you are new and that just threw you off, like what just happened? So I'm going to give you a chance to do it again. Every Sunday I start a message with, with those words, God is good and all the time. Appreciate you being here this morning. If you are new, my name is John and I am blessed to serve as the pastor here and I'm thankful to be a part of this great faith community. I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Jonah. And so we are in week two of our series entitled Risk. The subtitle is Dare to Embrace the Heart of God. And as we look at the story of Jonah, what we often, unfortunately, at least for me, what I often see in the story of Jonah is that I'm a much more like Jonah than I want to be. Uh, as we look at the story of Jonah, it seems to be uh, kind of a mirror of our own life sometimes. Last week, we actually only got into the first three verses, and what we really landed on was that Jonah, being a prophet of God, he knew the heart of God, but he did not embrace the heart of God. The challenge for us last week was to do that, not only to know the heart of God, but then to embrace the heart of God. And what you're going to find out as we walk through this series is that it's going to be a theme probably every single week. Um, if you were not here last week, you might not have known, but uh, back in 2017, we did a series called Risk. We went through this book, and then it kind of led me during uh, the lockdown, during COVID, and then also the storm last February. Uh, I kind of had some downtime, and so I decided to really compile the sermon notes of this series and write a book. So there is a free book on the back table uh, if you don't want to sit through all the sermon notes, you can just kind of read the book, all right? Or if you want to get ahead, you can read the book. Maybe you know of someone that it would be an encouragement to, just grab it and, and give it to them. But today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the entire, well, I should say it more like this, we're going to take a deep dive into the first chapter, and we're going to look at really three points of application. So what I want to do is walk through it, and then we'll give you the application at the end. It's kind of an assumption I have this morning as we talk about this chapter. 
If you were tuned in to the music we sing, it points to the thought of really the title of the message today. That is, the truth about storms. My assumption this morning, being that I am a normal human being, that all of you have problems at times. You guys sometimes have problems? Sometimes your problems are your kids, right? Right? Sometimes it's your spouse. Let's see who's going to bite, right? But, but in all reality, there's people in our church this week that have lost a loved one. I bet you there's people in the room this morning that a friend or a family member got diagnosed with cancer. There is probably people in the room this morning that, all joking aside, your kids are really far from God and it, it just torments your spirit. Some of you are probably drowning in debt right now. Some of you may have got laid off or you see it coming down the horizon. The, the reality is that probably you're either in a storm, maybe you just came out of a storm, or you're about to go into one. Because storms are inevitable. We, we face problems. Sometimes the storms are a result of our sin. That's God chasing us. Sometimes the storms are simply from Satan, that Satan is trying to attack us or to tempt us. And sometimes storms are just a part of life. Because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen. And, and sometimes it's just life that happens to us, but we're in storms. So I want to walk through this chapter, and then I want to give you three points of application that I think we see in this text that will apply to us today. Specifically, if you were currently in a storm. All right, let's, let's begin reading. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord, and remember what I said last week, this word Lord, all capitalized means Jehovah, the existing one. It's going to come back into play this morning as we read this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Remember, Nineveh, the fish city is what it's known as. The great city and crowd against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. In other words, he was running from the call of God in his life. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Again, it says, from the presence of the Lord. He's running from the call of God in his life. Nineveh, where he should have gone, was 500 miles east. Tarshish, where he's going, is 2,000 miles to the west. And, and understanding geographic, geographically during this period of time, this is as far away as he could go. This is as far west as he could have possibly gone. Verse number four. And here's where the storm happens, all right? So this is where we're going to talk about today. What do we do with the storms? And how do we deal with storms in our life? Verse four. But the Lord sent out a great wind. Listen, let's pause for a moment. Who is the cause of the storm? Say it with me. The Lord, right? Who's the cause of the storm? We don't have to doubt who sent the storm. This is a supernatural storm. This is what God is doing. He sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. In other words, they're about to die. 
everything is going to be lost. And again, he has paid a fare. He's with sailors or mariners, the word here in the New King James, that are experienced being on the sea. What is their reaction? Then the mariners, verse 5, were afraid. Every man cried out to, what are the next two words? Say it again. So these are pagan, polytheistic sailors. They believe in many gods. Everyone cried out to his God. You know, they have the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of the sea, the God of the boat, the God of the fish, you know, whatever it is. And so they're crying out to their God, little G. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah, he had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, laying down, and was fallen fast asleep. I've never thought about this, but the other day I was listening to a sermon on this story of Jonah. Someone pointed out to me something I'd never really noticed before, that the storm that was sent to get the attention of Jonah, what was Jonah doing during the storm? Sleeping. Sleeping. God sent the storm in order to get the attention of Jonah, and Jonah is sleeping. The guy I listened to said, I wonder if there's some spiritual application for us in the room this morning that the storm that you are going through may be sent by God and you are what? Asleep. And God is trying to get your attention. And you are simply sleeping. It gets really quiet, so we'll move on. Verse number six. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Now, my assumption based on context is this is not a nice question. Like, I don't think it's like, hey, how you doing, man? You you sleeping good? Everything's good with you? I, I think probably in terms we would say today, my assumption is that there might have been some sailor words said. You know, what I, you know what I'm talking about? Sleeper? I think some other words might have been said. But anyways, it's not in there. We don't know for sure. How many of you would agree with me? You think probably there were some sailor words said, all right? I, I just think that's, that's the emotion here, okay? It's not just, hey, buddy, have a good nap. And what does he tell him to do? So this is a pagan that we've already read is a polytheistic. And what does he tell Jonah to do? Arise, call on your God. And perhaps your God will continue or consider us so that we may not perish. Interesting that the pagan knows to pray. And the prophet just wants to delay. Isn't that interesting? God's trying to get his attention. He sleeps. The pagan, who doesn't know God, wakes him up and says, Dude, you got to pray. Maybe your God will consider us. Maybe he'll save us. Verse 7, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know. What's crazy here is that Jonah already did know. But he still lets them do what? cast lots. Okay, so I, I want just to take a 
kind of a mental break this morning and illustrate what casting lots is. I think I have about six young people who are willing to come up here on the stage already. So if that's you, come on up. All right, come on up. I know Carlos got a few of you to come up. And what I want you to do, we're going to illustrate what it means to cast lots. How many of you already know what it means to cast lots? How many of you don't know what it means to cast lots? All right, so it's like going to Vegas, basically. All right, it's what they're going to do is, all right, I'm going to give each of you a, a number. Well, I think I give you two. Sorry, you can give one to your sister. No, no particular order. You all right there, buddy? Callion, you're all right. The stairs will get you every time. There we go. What's up? I don't care if you stand in order or not. It's not going to matter. All right. So what I've done for them is I've assigned them a number. Okay? One through six. Only because I have... Is this a question? Die or dice? I don't know. I think it's die, but I'm not going to get an argument over it. All right. So... What they would do is, they would assign a number, they would roll the dice, or die, and whoever's number it landed on, it's their fault. Like, you don't want the number. So, what I'm doing today is, I have five Andy's gift cards. Anybody, anybody wish you would have been picked to come up here? All right. So, whatever number comes up, they lose. They're Jonah today. We're going to throw them overboard. Okay, actually, they're just not going to get a gift card. Are you guys okay with this? You got a one in six chance of winning, all right? Your odds in Vegas are good. All right. Should I let one of y'all roll it? No, I don't trust you. All right. There it is. The number is two. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're the bad one. Can we give her a hand anyways? Is that okay? All right. So in, in our story, she would, have, she would be Jonah. Okay, the lot has been cast. Her number came up. She's the reason for the storm. It's all your fault. <laughs> now, again, it's just a story. But what, what's, what's, under, what's weird about this story is that they didn't need to cast lots, did they? Because she already knew she was the bad one, right? I'm sorry. It just, it just happened. Here. This is better. All right. <laughs> I feel much better about this, you guys. All right, it's all his fault, all right? Now, who do you think controlled the dice? Did it just happen to fall on Austin's? No, God controlled it, right? Yeah. I didn't even intend for that. It just, this seemed like a pretty good illustration now. It's, it's sad, though that the prophet of God let it come to that. His heart is so far from God that he would chance someone else's number coming up and someone else being thrown overboard. The prophet of God. What, what we have to understand then, as followers of Jesus who showed up on Sunday morning a holiday weekend, we may be like Jonah. There may be some unconfessed sin in our life that we're just kind of pushing, we're sleeping through it. Again, the story of Jonah frustrates me because often when I look at him, I see me. Could, could we give him a hand? And I, ha, I do have one for everybody, all right? 
I'll take your paper, I guess. There you go. There you go. Here, I can take your paper. All right, there you go. Very good. Didn't they do so great? Here you go, Preston. I'll give you all my trash. All right. You guys can go down now. In fact, Preston's got to get back up there. I think you're running the computer for us, aren't you? All right, hurry. I'm just kidding. He was pretty confident he was getting a gift card, so that's why he left his computer duties. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 7, they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble is coming upon us. So they cast lots, the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, please tell us for whose cause is trouble upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? Verse 9, so he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. Jonah states that he fears the Lord God of heaven. Do his actions reflect that he fears the Lord God of heaven? No. If we truly fear God, it will lead us into faithful obedience. It won't lead us to run in the opposite direction. So he states, oh yeah, I'm a Hebrew. Notice what he does leave out. They ask him specifically, what's your occupation? Did he tell him his occupation? No. He didn't say, I'm a faithful prophet of God who speaks on behalf of God and walk in faithful obedience to God. Because he wasn't. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will come calm for you. For I know this great tempest is because of me. Again, he didn't need to have the lots cast, he already knew. Now, I find it interesting and alarming that Jonah, the faithful prophet of God that he's known to be, instead of throwing himself over the boat, could he have just jumped in? But he puts, he puts the responsibility on who? The pagan sailors. You throw me over. Again, just in their ideology, they're thinking, if your God's mad at you and we throw you in, what's he going to do to us? Did Jonah have to jump in? Did Jonah have to be thrown in? Yes or no? What could Jonah have done? He could have repented. He could have confessed. Remember what he said in chapter 4, verse number 2? Oh, Lord God, this is why I didn't go to Nineveh in the first place, because I know you're merciful, you're gracious, slow to anger, long-suffering, good, kind. He knows what we know now. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Jonah knows that if he simply repents... The sea's going to be calm. Jonah is, has such a wicked heart, such a hard heart to what God wants that he puts the responsibility on them. Well, just throw me in. Thanks, Jonah. Nevertheless, verse 13, 
The men wrote, hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. In other words, these pagan sailors have more grace and mercy for Jonah than Jonah has for them. Jonah could have saved their life by simply repenting, but he asked them to throw him in. They have compassion and say, we, this God of yours sounds pretty big. He created the land and sea. That's what Jonah said. And I wonder what they're thinking. Well, if your God created the sea and the land, tell him to stop. Confess. Make it right. Quit running from the presence of the Lord. And the pagans become the preachers, I think. Verse 14. Therefore, they cried out to the, what's the word? All cap, right? They called out to the existing one, the creator, Jehovah. They said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. What great theology they already have by just meeting God in the storm. The prophet is running. The pagans are praying. Verse 15. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. And what is their response? Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Jonah said he feared God, but didn't act like it, did he? The pagans feared God, and what does it say they did? They offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows, or they committed themselves to God. The storm that threatened their life became the storm that saved their life. So three things, three truths if you're taking notes. You can also get your phone out and take a picture of the screen. Truth number one, storms are always under the control of a sovereign and merciful God. God's in control. We looked at that last week. God is in control and God is merciful and God is good. Just like we say every week. God is good all the time, all the time God is good. And I am thankful that a sovereign God who is in control is good. It would not go well for us if he was not. I want to I read this statement for you by J. Josh Smith. Maybe this will be encouragement for you today if you're in the middle of a storm. It says, in the midst of a storm, you can be confident God is controlling the strength of the wind, the height of the wave, the depth of the sea, and the duration of the storm. made me think of what Paul wrote in Ephesians. Oh, his prayer to the church at Ephesus, I wish you would know the depth and the width and the height of God's love for you. And a good, gracious, merciful God, he's the one in control of the storm. Charles Spurgeon said this, There's no attribute more comforting to his children than that of God's sovereignty. God is in control and God is good. Truth number two, every storm reveals our heart towards God. So we have one storm, we have two responses. 
Jonah in the storm hides and fails to repent. The sailors in the storm see God, fear God, and repent. Jonah's heart was hard. The sailor's heart was open. My assumption today is that probably you and I fit in one of those two categories. If God's trying to get your attention, you're either going to harden your heart or you're going to repent. Harden your heart or repent. Truth number three, storms are always an opportunity to know and embrace the heart of God. Jonah knew the heart of God, but failed to embrace the heart of God. The sailors knew the heart of God, and they chose to embrace the heart of God. And I don't know what storm you may be in. I don't know the circumstances of your storm. But I know in every storm, whether it's caused by my son, whether it's caused by Satan attacking me, whether it's just life, I know that in every storm I have a choice. I can choose to know and embrace the heart of God or I can be like Jonah and I can sleep through it and I can avoid it and I can harden my heart. Focus on the God of the storm and he will prove to be the God in the storm. No matter what we face, whether the storms are raging or the seas are calm, God's trustworthy, isn't he? And you have a choice. Embrace the heart of God, even in the storm.